Hey there, Software Defined Talk listeners. I hope you guys are all having a great holiday week wherever you are. Um, since the tech news is a little slow during this week, we wanted to do something a little bit different. I'm going to play for you here a discussion that Kote and I had about being a tech evangelist. You know, it's an interesting job, and I think a lot of us maybe run into tech evangelists day to day, but it's not always obvious like what the job entails, how it works, and there's a lot of interesting discussion in the Software Defined Talk Slack channels about it. So we thought it'd be a fun discussion to have during this holiday period, and we think you'll enjoy it. Of course, it's a wide-ranging discussion, like everything in Software Defined Talk, and it hits on all kinds of fun points. So hopefully you can enjoy this while maybe you escape from your family for a little bit. And uh, before we get to that discussion, I want to uh, thank our sponsor, Datadog. So this week, Datadog wants you to know about Watchdog. Watchdog automatically detects performance problems in your applications without any manual setup or configuration. By continuously examining application performance data, it identifies anomalies like a sudden spike in hit rate that could otherwise have remained invisible. Once an an anomaly is detected, Watchdog provides you with all the relevant information you need to get to the root cause faster, such as stack traces, error messages, and related issues from the same time frame. And of course, you can sign up for a free trial today at www.datadog.com slash software defined talk. Again, that's datadog.com slash software defined talk. And of course, make sure to tell them your friends at software defined talk sent you. So we really appreciate Datadog being a great sponsor this year. And I hope all of you are having a great holiday season. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. Kote, we've been talking on Slack uh, about all these people with different titles. And one of the titles we've been talking a lot about is evangelist. So mm-hmm. I think of you personally as a tech evangelist, but would you describe yourself as a tech evangelist? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I tell people. The whole little, uh, I'm here at a uh, in Berlin at a uh, quarterly business review, which is every quarter the people in a sales region get together and, and uh, talk about what's going on. And, you know, they fall backwards and catch each other, stuff like that. Uh, and um, so I got to introduce myself. That's kind of why I came. And, and I said, officially, what I'm called is a developer advocate, but I neither talk with developers nor advocate for them. So uh, that title doesn't really fit. And then I usually say, like, you know, we used to call it an evangelist, but uh, people don't really seem to like that title anymore. Um, I don't know. So, yeah, why, evangelist. Why don't people, like, why, why do you think people don't like that title anymore? Mm. I think it's, I think it's, I mean, you know, really, I think it's just the thing where like words go out of fashion. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I don't really, you know, you could, you could, you could like spin up all sorts of explanations like, uh, like whatever. But I think it's just like, eh, you just don't call them that nowadays. It's like, it's like a little too Guy Kawasaki and too vague and like first wave, not first wave, I guess like second wave open source stuff. And, um, I think the developer advocates, uh, that you see nowadays are very, very developer centric instead of just being uh, hype people, uh, if you will, which evangelists are not always that way. But it's it's a uh, it's a lot. The, the whole evangelism world is more developer centric nowadays with a little bit of like DevOps stuff. But it's mostly what I would call developer and at best kind of SRE, like a coding operations or a coding ops person type of centric. Yeah, so I mean, I I think that's interesting that the word's out of favor, or at least you know, at least we think it is to some degree. Because I was I was thinking a lot about like what, like kind of like the history of like 
like why does this word even exist like what is the role and i was kind of going through like you know kind of like i think some history here kind of almost helps like so traditionally if you think about the people that are chartered day-to-day to like go talk to customers and prospects, right? So you kind of start with like a salesperson, like back in the day, if you go mm-hmm. back in time, it's like you just have one sales guy and he just like, you know, if you will, he carries <laughs> carries his briefcase, he goes out and he talks to some customers and if all goes well, uh, things get by, uh, they buy something. But then in te- and especially in the word in tech, right? Somebody came along and was like, well, it's really hard to have the guy that does the contracts and the negotiations also be the guy that demonstrates the product and knows everything about the product, right? So that sort of was the advent of the sales engineer. And like the traditional structure, right, is a salesperson will make like probably, it's probably structured to make 50% of their compensation based on commissions, right? And the sales engineer is usually like ratcheted down a little bit, right? He's like maybe like 30%, right? So there's some distinction there. Uh, and so I think people, that was sort of like, and I think the idea that this, the sales engineer was the first evangelist, right? The idea is that he's sitting there with you, uh, you know, you being the customer in this case, and is going through and answering all your questions, but he's not really, you know, if you will, geared to sell you, at least kind of that's sort of the, the, the play, if you will, that's going on. It's like, he's really there to answer your technical questions and, and, and that. So I think of those guys as like the first kind of uh, uh, if you will, evangelist, right? Just very much like I'm not here hundred percent to do the contracts. In fact, when the numbers come up, I'm going to like leave the room, right? But I'm here to answer all those questions. But what I think happened there, so if we kind of keep going in history, was like, well, the problem with that is those guys, if they're good, are like a hundred percent consumed with just talking to customers that have shown some level of buying interest, right? So they don't really have any time to go out and maybe interact with people that are just on the fringe of like learning about the technology, right? So then I think you then enter, you know, what I think was kind of the the next phase was like product marketing, which is like, even to this day, I think product management, product marketing are ultimately like some of the most um, overly defined words, meaning that, you know, lots of different definitions at lots of different places. But at some point, somebody said, well, we'll have a, a product marketer and, and their goal is just going to be to go out and not go necessarily on sales calls, but just kind of go to conferences and talk to people about the technology. And the idea of, of putting product in the name was that like, yeah, they would have some expertise and domain expertise around the product. Right. But then I think that what happened there is people started to like really hate that title because they felt like either the people that showed up didn't know enough about the product or the technology to be meaningful and um you know if you will the internal structure of a company tends to kind of grab product marketers and suck them in right and like you know the i think, rise I think of contact marketing right. yeah yeah like it's like well we need content marketers and we need someone doing a demo and it becomes a job that's very much inward focused and kind of feeding the traditional corporate marketing machine, right? So then it's like those people start to kind of like fade out and can't provide that, you know, necessarily interaction with the community. And then I think you have the product managers who are often really good at going out and talking to people and and and, and part of their job, right, is to interact with customers to get the requirements. But again, same kind of thing, right? They, they sort of get sucked back in um, into the organization. And I think, so what happens, and I think this is kind of brings us to like what I think where we are today is that there's always been this feeling, I think at every company where it's like, 
man, we just need people to like go out and talk more about what we do, um, but not have the pressure necessarily of being sucked into the organizational machine, whether that be like meeting a quota, delivering marketing content or delivering requirements. And I think that's where people just had no idea what to call that role. <laughs> and I think, yeah. you know, if anything, um, for a long time, like the CTO role, I think in a lot of companies evolved into it was like, just go talk to like lots of stuff, right? Lots of people. And then that person doesn't scale. And then I think that brings us to like the evangelist. So I don't know. I mean, would you agree? Like, do you, th you think that's a, a decent history of it? And do you think that brings us to where we are today? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's good to know that you and I have synchronized on our question asking style, which is like, here is my position. I would like to ask you yes or no. <laughs> that's, that's right. But that's I think, right. no, I think, I think, I think uh, uh, everything you said uh, matches my, my understanding beliefs and how do I choose to see it, so to speak. All the great the lenses on history. And I think, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think the thing is you have, you know, we didn't mention product management, but that's a whole other thing. But I think you have sales, sales engineers and product marketing and, each of those three thinks that the other person's jobs are really easy, but they're actually very difficult. And then what ends up happening, as you described, is they get siloed and overworked. Um, and so to I, I think I think maybe the role of an evangelist doesn't really solve their problems so much, but it solves a problem of what I would call marketing. And and it's more it's a little bit of market making and also um, brand building, and then also a little bit of, as kind of the title nowadays that we have, developer advocate, it's actually trying to do some sort of educational things. Um, and then, and then I think, I think like two more defining things in my mind is one, um, yeah, I mean, the, the word evangelist is pretty accurate. Uh, like, um, I mean, the pro the issue is nowadays in, in the U.S. at least, evangelist, depending on what your view is, is kind of a derogatory term, right? Like it's it's sort of like some Bible-thumping person who doesn't want to make cake for same-sex couples or whatever, right? Like it's it's sort of – it's very rare that if you're on the left wing, you think evangelism is good. But, you know, if you – like I, I what always pops in my mind with that word is, is I think when George Bush Jr. was president, one of the major paintings he put in was a, uh, a Methodist-like writer who was going out and evangelizing. And, and I think that's a good metaphor for what evangelists essentially do is if you, if you can bear with the religious metaphor, their job is just to go out and be like, have you heard the good news? Like Jesus died for your sins or, or like, you know, uh, have, have you heard about uh, the Macintosh computer? We did a lot of work so that you can, uh, you know, lay out your pages correctly. And it's pretty awesome. And so you're going out to kind of like people and you're converting them over. Not, not only the end goal is to convert them over to giving your company money. Um, and that might be just pure brand marketing, right? Like, uh, you know, like I think, I think a good example is uh, whether this person's an evangelist or not, like Kelsey Hightower is like, I think he's like in retirement now or something, but he's like the preeminent evangelist of the last two years, right? And it's just like wherever he went, he could go and whatever it is he did, people would leave the room and be like, I need me some Kubernetes, they're just like, boom, I need that. Like, I'm going to go to a tent and ha hold a snake and be saved by the Lord, right? Like, and so, like, it, he was fantastic at it. And and he still is. He just doesn't, like, do it as much as my understanding. And so that whole act right there is, um, you know, 
to use another religious metaphor from a TV show, like you go you go in front of the great Khan and the Khan's like, I've heard of this Christianity thing. And uh, before I kill you, why don't you tell me like what the deal is? And so you're, you're there kind of explaining it and trying to like gain favor and, and not be killed. And so one, the first thing that you're trying to sell is the market, right? And that's kind of the market making aspect is I need you to believe that there's a problem that you have and that there is, to use a kind of a meaningless term, that there is a solution space to that problem, right? So it would be hard to be an evangelist for flying cars, right? Because like there are no flying cars. <laughs> so there has to be an actual solution to this thing. Uh, and so like to be very specific in, in my work and the work that more or less other people uh, do on my team and in, in their own way is we go in and we say, and this is a lot more of what I do. The other people on my team are more coding and they're more technical than I am. Um, but like we go in and, and basically the whole thing is like, you want to improve the way that you do software. There are much better ways of doing software, whether that's using Spring or Pivotal Cloud Foundry or Kubernetes. And first, let me talk about how let, let me gain your trust that I know what I'm talking about and uh, I know what you're suffering about. And like, we're like on the level of like software. It's hard. Am I right? Uh, and so you get some camaraderie there. And then you like the, the pivotal pitch, at least that I give is sort of like, you're like, ah, but there's a better way, right? Like, you know, I, I know you think you're going to burn in hell, but actually there's a way towards salvation that exists, right? Let me bend your mind around that. Uh, and, and what you do is you kind of go over like, well, traditionally you would do waterfall method of like six to 12, uh, you know, months, and then you're going to have to file a ticket with ITEL stuff to like deploy it. And that's not going to work, but instead you could put this container driven pivotal cloud foundry stuff in place and you can deploy every week or multiple times a day. Like that technology exists and here's a bunch of people who do it. And uh, so we have that solution. And then let me talk to you about like how you can actually achieve that. Like, let me get you to believe in, in what is true, you know, but believe that this is actually a, a real thing. And we'll just talk a little bit about like, uh, it's kind of like a little counseling session. We'll talk a little bit about like how you would do that and how it works. Um, and so that's like, I think, I think that's kind of like the, the kitten caboodle of, of a lot of what you have with evangelism or developer advocacy. And of course, um, I don't know, I shouldn't speak for other people, but I think when I observe the greater evangelist community more so than, than pivotal at all, but I think I focus a lot more on like, I want to get that money, right? Or not me, but like, I'm there to like help close a deal. Whereas in general, what you have with evangelists is they are more focused on, I just want you to think that my company is a top two company in this area and that we are actually solving a problem. And then just to like, so you basically, you're doing brand mark, what I would call brand marketing, right? Like, you know, you walk into an airport and uh, you see an ad for, I don't know, you see like McConaughey looking all serious and sexy. And you're like, I got to get some of that fucking cologne. Cause you know, I gotta be him. And like, so that's like good brand marketing now. And then also like uh, a couple years back, I was in uh, O'Hare and like CA had just like blanketed the place as they do uh, with ads and their whole their whole brand marketing was <laughs> it was like they had the CA logo and I don't even know what the words were, but they had a bunch of like 20 year olds in every single ad. And, and, and you could tell this is like this is like you can tell how this brand marketing went. They were like there's these old people who are like, 
We can't let the kids know that we're old mainframe software. We keep losing sales. We bought those goddamn DevOps companies and people still think we're old. And so, you know, they're trying to like show that they're they're young and everything. Anyway, so you got brand marketing. Um, and then I think that translates the market making part is like to go back to Kubernetes, which I think is a, a good external example that's that's uh, instead of just talking about Pivotal. Um, you know, I, I forget when it is, but I think maybe a couple years ago you could start tracking. And I don't not being on the inside. I don't know if this was strategized and planned so much has happened. I mean, it is Google, so I kind of know which one of those two I would pick, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but what happened is it turned into this effort where basically over a couple of years, people like Kelsey and others, uh, the first thing that they did is they were like, containers, they need to be orchestrated. What even is container orchestration and scheduling? And like, it's actually really easy, but it's also kind of hard. Otherwise, why would you need this thing? And like, you know, so forth and so on. And then the magic that happens, the way you scale it, is you end up getting all these other people to go like give talks on this and, and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the primary from the outside. The job is you're basically there to do brand building, right? Like the technology we have exists and uh, here, let me show you how it operates. Let me demo it to you and let me go over how other people are using it and give you an idea of how you could do it. Right. So this is. You know, if you have like a 60 minute coding session at a uh, Java user group going over something, it kind of accomplishes that. And then the second, the sort of knock on effect of doing that should be uh, that you're helping make a market for the product that you have. Right. So right. someone had to make the Kubernetes market like no one gave a fuck before that. They were like, I'm still trying to get this OpenStack shit to work. Oh, now I got to have Kubernetes. Right. Like so people had to do that. And then I guess to have a finally, finally. The third thing that you hope to do uh, is you hope to work pretty closely uh, with what we would call the field, and that is your salespeople and um, sales engineers. I mean, for, for this idea, I would lump them together, but you hope to work closely with people who are help tr actually trying to close deals and sell and just be kind of like some, uh, as I'm fond of saying, some razzle-dazzle that you can add to it, right? Like, you know, you order yeah. a steak and there's like six different sauces you can order. Evangelists are like those sauces that you can add on top. Yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of things in there to, to talk about. I think one of the things I think I, I'm kind of fascinated about, though, is because I think you're right. Like, I think evangelism is if you were to like bucket it anywhere, it's part of brand building and awareness and like a, in a marketing sense. But what I have found is that like companies and this I think this is just a general statement about all companies like companies tend to like like understand that there is a need for this while also actively like rejecting um the function to exist right so what i mean by that is like uh if you go to any company anywhere they would say something like yeah we, we got to be out there talking to the customers and and we got to be you know uh you know figuring out what they want and be evangelizing what we're doing right but like that, that will happen. And then like the next meeting would be like, um, well, there's a QBR next week and I need you to be there. And then, yeah, we're going to have this internal meeting and then there's the offsite. And then, um, we also need some content and then, you know, it quickly, like, you know, the, the company like wants to like pull you right back in, right. And the kind of all these other functions we've talked about. And so what I've always found too, and also too, like most of the time, the way you advance in a company is to be good, like, internally right is to be so like back to the branding thing the person that's likely to get promoted would be like the cmo 
who hired the agency that ran the campaign that did the airport ads and a commercial and, you know, and um, you know, did you know, uh, speaking spots um, around and they're going to be like, if you will, they're going to be attached to that like success and they will be like pulled up and then there'll be another guy in the room like, what do you do? It's like, well, I went to a lot of the conferences and I spoke and then I talked to these customers and I spent a lot of time like understanding the broader industry. Right? And like that, that function is, is generally the company isn't going to like value that. It isn't going to be like, that's the guy that we need to promote. And I say value. I should say what I mean by that is more like advancement, right? If you're in a room, um, yeah, you're, you're, they're going to say that's important, but they're also going, and I think it's, and because I, you know, back to your original word, because actually right before this, I was kind of like just doing some basic, you know, if you will, looking up the textbook definitions of different things. And, and I think when I think about evangelists, one of the things, um, you know, missionary, I think is another word that sometimes get used from a religious sense. But like what I think is important about the distinctions putting around the religious is just the idea that you know, the companies or these organizations that use these words, what, what they have kind of designated is like, we need to send someone out into the world generally kind of by themselves. And they really have two goals. Like one is as that missionary, that evangelist, we want you to embed yourself in the other community, right? They're kind of telling you, go to this other country or wherever, learn all the customs, get very, very familiar with that. And then while you're there, we want you to like, you know, talk about our values, our solutions. But it's all it's all predicated on like we want you to go embed yourself in something else. Right. Whereas I think almost all the other corporate jobs functions are kind of the opposite. It's like you embed yourself in the corporation and then you kind of go out and you just kind of like, you know, if you will, represent yourself uh, publicly. But you're always kind of like you're, you're if you will, um, you know, you're you're always your base is, is always pointing at the company. And I think like when people who have been on religious missions or other things, like, you know, you're, if you will, I think you're to some degree, right. You're, you're on your own little mission, right. You've been sent to another country. You don't necessarily know everyone. You're not, you don't go to an office every single day at Pivotal. Right. And it's like, well, the, the goal, right. is because they want you to get embedded with that culture, understand the problems there. And that's going to make you like a more effective communicator. And I also think, you know, to your point about, um, you know, like you are, if you will, like, I think Kelsey Hightower is a good example of this. Like as an evangelist, I think one of the things that is generally, um, a privilege of that job is like the company will allow you to acknowledge like a broader market of solutions exists, right? Like, so Kelsey Hightower, if you follow him on Twitter, like he's not afraid to like mention another technology that's even potentially a competitor, right? Uh, and the reason I think he's doing that is twofold. Like one, it does give him credibility, but two, and this is like the bigger thing, like when you're inward facing as a, a corporation, like there is sort of like this game that exists where like you're just gonna pretend that like, oh, there's no other cloud vendor, right? You're just like, you know, every solution is like, here, we can do everything for you. But everybody knows, like in your own personal life, like, you know, like, you have Apple products. We use Google. I'm sure you use Google products. You know, you have some Microsoft. You know what I mean? You use everything, right? It's like, and we all acknowledge that, like, yeah, in the real world, you know, we acknowledge there's a big ecosystem. And so what you're always trying to do is trying to figure out where you fit in. And I think this is where, you know, for customers, and I think if there's something the value that customers get is like talking to people that work within a specific vendor, but at the same time, the allowing those people to like acknowledge other things exist to talk about when maybe they're not a good solution and also giving them context, right. About when their solution 
may add value and where it won't. Whereas, you know, inside, like when you're a salesperson, they're never going to do that, right? <laughs> they're never going to say like, well, you know, you can use this other thing. And I think, um, but I think this is why I think the job, like inside a corporation, I think this is why the title changes a lot too, because it's just like, you know, like I think the company understands, and maybe it's like vegetables, like, you know, you should eat them, but you're never ever. Like if there's another choice at the, the buffet, you're like, I'll have the steak. Right. Um, and I think that's where I think the company tends to almost like reject the role and then recreate it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think, uh, once again, I agree with everything you said. So, so, so to, so to add some highlights to it, I think, um, you know, I don't have firsthand knowledge of this. Well, sort of, but, but like, I think I think the the first part of what you're saying is it is to to frame it in yet another way it's a very expensive function <laughs> to have an evangelist right like um if if I if I were to do some back of the envelope math on the expenses of the team of 10 people that I'm on it must be insane like you know compared to a developer right like cuz we travel all the time right and uh we stay at hotels and you travel at like a week's notice and you know so it's expensive um, and so it is easy. And then, and then the, um, the outcome of the evangelist or I, the developer advocate is very hard to make. It's a whole lot of, uh, well, not causality. What's the other one? Correlation. It's just sort of like, I don't know, they were involved, <laughs> but like, it's very rare that there is a, a clear line between, um, evangelist showed up, we made $5 million. Like, and and part of that is like the nature of a five million dollar deal. There's like thirty people involved, so who knows who did what, right? But the role of an evangelist, like you're saying, is 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 having this credibility, and and the way they have it is to not really tell you to buy, essentially. And you know we can go over like what's different and what's better and make jokes about competitors, but you lose your credibility if it's obvious that there's, you know, if the answer is always Java, so to speak, and if you're actually selling something. So it, it is, um, especially if you're scrutinizing costs, it's a very frustrating position to look at because you're like, this costs me anywhere between, let's say you got a really young, dumb evangelist who doesn't ask for enough money. This costs me anywhere between $120,000 all in and and that's well, it would probably be a minimum of let's say three hundred thousand dollars if you threw in all travel that you would want evangelists to do, and let's assume they're they take a like a eighty to a hundred thousand dollar salary and you got your twenty percent overhead and you know they live in a major city, so maybe they don't have to travel a lot, so it's probably like thirty three hundred thousand dollars to i mean I could easily see like over a million dollars in expenses and salary and compensation, like all the stuff that you would give it's like they're expensive things to run. Um, and so you would look at that and be like, and then, so tell me how this helped us make our Q3 numbers where I was fucking stressed out and didn't see my family for three months, you know? And, and just like, I, I don't know, they have a lot of stickers on their laptops. What do you want from me? <laughs> uh, and so, so it, it is easy to get, for it to get shifted around. And I think just as a footnote on that, I think another thing why it shifts around a lot is, um, and we, maybe we could talk about this in detail later, but uh, the role is difficult psychologically. And so it's difficult psychologically. And also, um, if you care about career advancement, it's a total cul-de-sac. <laughs> like there's yeah. no, there's no 
there's nothing higher, so to speak, uh, in that career ladder than being an evangelist other, other than managing evangelist, but by an evangelist doesn't want to manage evangelist, right? So it is a very shifty thing. And I think, um, I mean, just as, as another point of reference, like I think, uh, I, I, I think I sent this to you, but I, this always evangelist stuff always reminds me of this piece. Uh, it's like a 2004 piece about the, about this guy, Colonel Tom Wilhelm, who was basically, he fits exactly how you were describing it. He was the evangelist and also kind of fixer, uh, that basically the U S department of defense sent to Mongolia. And it was kind of like, yeah, this is like the one person from the military we have in Mongolia and their job is to make the Mongolians like us and just like be cool with us. <laughs> and so when you read the article, he's, it's basically like he must have had an insanely awesome expense account. And it was just like, yeah, you know, one day he's drinking like rotten milk with some uh, in a yurt with some people out there and just talking about like, hey, how are the crops today? And like, oof, those Chinese. I know what you're talking about. And and just kind of like, you know, going over and being friends with them. And then the next day he could be back in, uh, what is it, uh, Ulaanbaatar, like maybe in his military dress, like talking with someone fancy. And if I remember the article, the whole point was like, well, one day uh, we might have a war with the Soviet Union, with, uh, with Russia. So we should probably have the Mongolians like us. <laughs> so so let's let's send uh, Colonel Tom out there and just like he's going to hang out and be out there. And, you know, what 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 makes me think of it, it's a it's a good example. I mean, military metaphors are always annoying, but just like sports metaphors, they work. So what are you going to do? Uh, but the other thing that is matches what you were saying and what evangelists do is it's exactly what you're saying is, you know, the Department of Defense is just like, here's a bag of cash and a couple of changes of clothes. And I'll see you in three or four years. Just like figure it out, <laughs> like read the dispatches and figure out which way the wind is blowing and uh, with Americans, inter America's interest abroad and don't fuck it up. See you later. I'll approve your expense reports. And like that's that's a huge part of like uh, at least my experience and what I observe other people when they do an evangelist is you're not really one. You go out. So we travel all the time. And two part of the job description is like, yeah, don't be too aligned to what we're saying, right? Like you need to be out there kind of just being yourself and figuring it out. And then the flip side of that, don't be too aligned with what you're saying is, um, I'm not going to give you much support, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like you, well, and, and by much support, it doesn't mean that it means it's not going to be given to you on a silver platter, right? Like, like I said, I was saying, I'm at a, uh, a quarterly business review, right? Which, uh, you know, the salespeople go over how, how the quarter was going and this time of year, how the first half was and what we need to be selling and blah, blah, blah. Right. And like, I sort of, I didn't so much invite myself, but I connived my way into it. Right. So it's not on the corporate calendar of like, oh, make sure to get the evangelists over here so that they're on message. It's just like, you have to weasel your way into to doing things because I don't think that's I mean, you don't really want, I mean, that's part of how you avoid the thing you keep talking about, or one of the things you keep talking about is you don't want to get sucked back into the company and, and become part of that. So anyways, I mean, I think that article is a good, it's also very well read and interesting, but it's a very similar role of your job is to go out there and make us look good, which, which is basically for better or worse, uh, it's the concise job description that, that my boss, Andrew Clay Schaefer, gives everyone is like, 
your job is to be a celebrity and mention Pivotal every now and then. <laughs> Which, is, yeah, no, I mean, deal. I think that it's a good way to think of it. And I think, because um, I think of other places, like I, I think of SolarWinds has like, uh, they call it like the head geek program, oh, right? Yes. They kind of have, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think of them as evangelists. I think that's sort of what the role is. And I, and I think it's always, it's, it's really interesting though, because I, I think as you were talking there, like, uh, it, and I think the analogy here to like brand marketing is, is, is also really good is that, that everyone wants a really strong brand, right? And usually when you're in these meetings, these like executive meetings is the CFO. I mean, all the time, right? Everyone will be like, we just, I don't understand why we're buying uh, airport ads, right? And it's like, I was at a place once where, you know, the CEO would just routinely say like, we're never going to do this. This doesn't make sense. And it was kind of just a proxy for him. I think to just like, I took it as a look back on it. And like, he's sort of just like looking at it. Like, I don't want to invest in brand marketing. Right. And it's like, okay. But at the same time, and I think the, and I think the evangelism thing is, is kind of the, the, the same idea is that it is very difficult to like quantify in a room, like why we should do this. Um, and I, and I always, I guess, as I think about my career and stuff as working with more leaders, it's like there, you know, for things that are unquantifiable, it's, or very, or maybe not on, that's a little too strong, but like that are just hard to put a, 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 you know, a measure, right. Is that, um, you know, like as a leader, like how willing are you to like be okay with that? Right. And I, and I, as I kind of think about, you know, a lot of the executives I've worked for is like, for the most part, they got to that role by focusing on some set of numbers, you know what I mean? Like very, being very precise. And so I think most of the time the people leading, like these things are very are kind of self-selecting group, right? They're very much like metrics driven kind of people. And that's kind of why they got the job. So when anytime you're in something that starts to get like a little fuzzy, um, like sometimes that you know, that can happen with agile, like, you know, just as, as an aside, right? Like people get like, I don't understand where's the schedule. And it's like, you know, they just, they don't, they can't, they can't, it's not like they don't understand it. They understand that you're telling them that like, it isn't going to be the schedule They're but they're saying is like, that's, if you kind of like uncover the one more level, they're saying like, I got here because I manage schedules and numbers really well. And you're telling me I don't have that. I'm really uncomfortable now. And I think in the brand marketing, I think is very much the same idea. It's like, well, we're going to have a certain amount of money spent on evangelism. We're going to buy some, you know, advertising on TV and, you know, because like the, the comeback will always be like, well, not everyone that watches ESPN is going to buy our stuff. And it's like, yeah, we know. Right. But like, um, but I think again, like it creates a real discomfort. And I think this is kind of back to like why the, um, the role, if you will, I think it kind of ebbs and flows in organizations. Like there's like a big team and then there's no team. And then, there, and, and I think, um, but I do think, you know, I, if you will, kind of just the, the qualitative side, it's like, you know, um, and I feel like, you know, maybe in our jobs, our careers, like, cause, cause we're like, you know, if you will, a couple of runs down from the executive side, it's like, like when you go out and either one, like you consume your own tech media, whatever it is, like, like, you know what's being talked about or you go to the DevOps days or you go to like the circle of friends or you're hanging around with the developers who are maybe at a, like a web startup building something like like you kind of get a sense like right away like where t uh, products and technology like stands. But it's like very hard to like just put it on. Um, condense it into one slide, right? Or like one metric. It's like, hey, guys, we're really losing. Like I was just at DevOps day and, you know, um, you know, like go back in time, like, you know, like there was the blade logic and the, the opsware and all that. And it's like, but I was just there and this, these other guys, 
I don't know. They worked at Amazon. One's calling a chef. No, not like not a chef that makes food. But then you try to explain it and puppet. You're like, what is that? Well, no, pu- not like puppets, but like this other thing. And like you kind of sense it's happening like right away. But like, you know, this is the part where I think it's just like it's very hard to like take that signal that you're getting and like allow the organization to consume it. Right. And I think they, they usually consume it like way after the fact. And this is where they usually then spin up a big evangelism team. Um, but then they, it's sometimes it's like kind of too late or if it's not too late, it's just going to require like a great deal of time and effort just to get back to parody. Right. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no, I, I, I think, I think, I think that's the way to mm-hmm. put it is it, 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 it takes too much effort to get back to parody. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. And I just think, you know, and I, and I come back to, it's like, you know, when you're in these meetings, it's like, you know, everyone's got these numbers, but at the same time, you know, you, like you, I, I guess it's maybe almost like a, a frustration point for my career. It's like, you know, this other thing is happening and you know, like if you could bet your own money, you'd be like, if I could put money on this thing, it's going to, it's going to be big. Right. Yeah, yeah. But like, and I, and you just want the company to like, Hey, make a bet with me. Right. And, um, but the company, you know, again, the company's sort of like preordained to not want to think that way, which, again, I think kind of that's why you end up in this like corn. I think your point about a career cul-de-sac, um, you know, is kind of a good example. Like, yeah. probably the best way to progress is to, like, do it for a couple of years. Then you come back and then totally. find yourself, if you will, into like a, a line management job, like yeah, take yeah, over, yeah. run I, I, product I mean, or run sales yeah. or something like that. I mean, if you want career advancement, you would use the evangelism role to get um I, I think I think the other way that people advance in tech corporations is they get a I don't know what the number would be let's say fifty to one hundred uh, VP to CIO types who are they're like friendly with and so they have these contacts that they can always they have a uh, what a Rolodex do they still call it that like you know <laughs> they have they have the book of people that they can go hustle to and sell to and more importantly well not more importantly but also importantly that they can use as a um, I don't know, like not a sounding board, but they can use to like keep up with stuff, right? That just gets them involved and on the buy side of things. So you could, I mean, it'd be a little hard. You don't meet as many like buyers and executive types uh, in most developer uh, advocate roles, but you could use it as a couple of years to like really understand what's going on out there, right? Like, Like you can imagine our friend, Colonel Tom, he spends like two to four years in Mongolia and then he gets promoted I don't know if colonels ever get promoted to generals, but then he goes back to the Pentagon and he's in charge of like part of Asia strategy or something. Right. And so like, because he was out there, he can kind of understand and then manage other people out there doing things or whatever. I mean, I don't know. That's a bad metaphor, but you know, I have seen lots of, um, or a fair amount of, uh, evangelist types go into like product management or, or things like that. Or they also, sometimes people who, have done or could be evangelists. There's another role that they do uh, that we call a field CTO. Other people call that. And a field CTO is basically like a hyper advanced global global, uh, centric uh, dedicated accounts sales engineer. (laughs) Like it's, that's an insulting way of putting it, but they're like a technically oriented relationship person. Yeah. It's like sort of like a, the highest level of the sales engineering yeah. track yeah. or, you know, something along. Right, and it's right. somebody that wants to be in the field. That makes and, sense. Yeah. And, and then also I think to your point, I mean, this is a, a sub point of big companies is like, I mean, there's uh, of how you advance or how people usually advance. I mean, there's that, I lose track of who said what, but you know, there's that saying that if you don't, uh, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And I think the problem with that is some things shouldn't be managed and they're unmanageable, right? Like just because you can measure something doesn't mean it's good 
And, and more importantly, it doesn't mean that unmeasurable things aren't good. And to that end, yeah, I mean, but then again, if you're going to give someone a promotion and money, you need some way of evaluating them. And the easiest way, I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but in America, we're taught to measure people by the numbers they get every six weeks or every every semester or at the end of a school year. Like you're just as, as a salesperson would say, you're your number. Uh, and so you're totally measured on the numbers that you have. So if you're not kicking off these numbers, uh, you don't get promoted. And then the people I like, I, you know, this this kind of explains something you were saying earlier. Um, the manager of the people who have, have sent out all these people to speak at conferences, they're the ones who get promoted and get more um, uh, compensation because they're measurable. Whereas someone goes and speaks at a conference, you don't fucking know, right? Like it's kind of insignificant and not measurable. So, you know, that's I think that's a large part of why people who do the actual work, like they don't really get promoted as much because the managers have more impressive numbers and they can directly affect numbers and control that. So it's easier to figure them out or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's that, but I also think there, I mean, I think we should maybe tell the other side, maybe the, uh, there's the celebrity angle to it as well. I think, you know, you, you hit it as well. Like, I mean, I think if we were to ask, uh, was it Diane green at Google, like, does she think Kelsey Hightower was valuable? Like, I think, you know, he's at such a high level. I think, I think he could credibly claim like he's added, tens of millions of dollars to Google cloud platform. Right. And, um, and so, and I think that gets into why, like kind of back to the, the unmeasurable a little bit around, um, like in that case, it's obvious, right? Like it's sort of like, you know, we can just go after the fact and be like, Hey, you know, like he's, he's, he's incredible. He's incredibly. And I think uh, at one point I would say, um, like Adrian, uh, what is it? Adrian Krok, or as I say, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, I think his, his level, um, you know, he's, I don't know. I don't see him on the circuit as much anymore. Maybe I'm not looking, but like, you know, at one point I felt like, you know, obviously he did a lot of Netflix, but then, you know, he sort of just was like the de facto speaker at a bunch of stuff for a while. Right. And it's like, you know, and I, I think kind of like there's this superstar celebrity and those guys, I don't know what, Kelsey, I don't know what Kelsey Altar is. I know, you know, Adrian's gone on to do a bunch of different things, worked at the VC. I think he's at Amazon now. I'm sure he's making like a lot, I would suspect making a really good salary. Um, and I think, you know, that it's so like, to me, I guess if there is an advancement side, it's sort of like, if you become big enough and part of that, I think is being attached to the right thing. I think, you know, part of, you know, it's kind of back to our old you know, chicken or egg. It's like, you know, evangelizing Kubernetes you know, it was probably pretty easy because like sort of the, the, yeah. the sea parted, right. And the Docker wave, uh, Docker, the container management, right. Kind of came out and then everyone wanted it, but then coupled with like, this guy's just really good. I mean, he's really good at his job and people really like it. And it's like, okay, that's what propels him to like superstar him. So I think in his career, right. He's now set. Like if he decides yeah, to do yeah. something and, different, and, and, and he's going to be a well-known well person. I, I think, I think, I mean, that's, that's a, uh, I mean, we'll overuse that example, but I think it's also representative of, he he had exactly what you were saying is he had or whatever I should say he in a situation like that, you have good management who recognizes the unmeasurable value of just like, well, this person has clearly made people like this technology. Right. Uh, whereas I think if you were at uh, I mean, you know, we have a maybe almost 20 year old, a 20 year old ongoing joke that that I think you came up with is like, yeah, that's nice for Google, but let's see them lose, uh, you know, money for 12 straight quarters and yeah, see how things be quite... fucking work out, right? Like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Right? <laughs> and, so, uh, and so, you know, when you're in a situation like that with Google, like, you can, I wouldn't call it a luxury. You have the ability to, like, make intuitive management decisions. Like, um, 
I, I mean, the, nowadays you could measure like YouTube views and um, you could maybe even like ask people in surveys, like, why are you interested in this? And they could say it was because of Kelsey Hightower or because Josh Long or, or whatever. But it still would be really hard to quantify, does this actually work? Right. And and I think well, and, and I think uh-huh. the other the other person you uh, brought up, like um, there must be a way of measuring that success because because Adrian is very successful in what he did. But it's it's a weird example, right? Like when he was in Netflix, like ultimately he was evangelizing for HR, I guess. Right. Like like the outcome of him talking about how awesome Netflix was. Was I, I mean, you could get involvement in the open source projects, but, you know, I mean, don't tell anyone. No one gives a fuck back at corporate, right? Like, so so you could have that. And then you could argue that that's some sort of morale boosting and it kind of um, for developers and it hires quality and all the usual like mid-2000s open source stuff, which is true, but is inconsequential to management, right? And yeah, so, no, I think that would be a good one. I, yeah. I would make the case and I would love to, you know, see what, I guess, Reed Hastings, if that's the CEO of Netflix still, right? You know, what he would say, but like, I would say there was a strong investor relations thing going mm. on there. No, that's as, good. as yeah, they, yeah, yeah. As they huh. moved from uh, what seems like the archaic mailing DVDs, right? Uh-huh. It was like, not only were they sort of seen as like, oh, well, this could be a company that could deliver video on demand, but like, mm. you know, if you will, Adrian was this face. Like, even, I think if you brought him to like a, uh, like a Wall Street, like roadshow, and like, even if they didn't understand a word he said, like he came across like, wow, like these guys are doing some of the best things in tech. And then those guys would call around and be like, yeah, they're like the first ones to use this Amazon thing, this Amazon Web Services. Right. And I think that just kind of goes to like, again, it's somewhat unmeasurable. But I think, you know, if you will, if I was if I was uh, Adrian, I would make some kind of case like I'm contributing totally. to like, the market cap. Right. I'm contributing to why people want to buy this stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and and to me, that goes back to, like, the, the brand thing, right? Like, it's a little more operational than, like, McConaughey's, like, cologne or whatever. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, it is. And, and again, I mean, like I, I was saying at the beginning, it's like, ultimately, your job is to make people think good things about the company you work for. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and, I think, but to, I, I think to, there's to, one other one we should talk about. Like, 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 the, like the, 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 just the, another way that I think of that is, um, I, well, I'll, I'll say two things and then we'll go, go to whatever you were going to say. But like one, I think, I think one of the main things you want to do as an evangelist is just make it so that everyone gives you the benefit of the doubt of just like, I'll take a meeting with them. Right. Like, and, and so that's, that's one thing that's nice is you do all that footwork. It's kind of like Colonel Tom, right? Like, if Colonel Tom did his job back in 2004 and the, the shit started hitting the fan, you know, whoever's running Mongolia would be like, yeah, I'll talk to America. They're great people. Get the rotten milk. Right. And so so like it gets you that benefit of the doubt to like talk with them and discuss with them. Whereas um, back to certain people who spend a lot of money on airport advertising, you would kind of be like what the fuck are you want me to take that meeting for? And you would send like right. your junior staffer. And then I, I think, I think the, uh, oh, the, what was the other thing I was going to say? I mean, I, I for completely forgotten. I, I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I'll see if I remember yeah. it. Well, I was just going to, you know, why you thinking about that? I was like, I was thinking about the, you know, kind of the other side of, of um, the way to like make yourself a really effective evangelist is, is um, you know, network effects. And why, what I mean by that is like, um, like I really think of, uh, Bridget, what, how do you say Bridget's last name? Bridget, uh... Uh, I used to know. My name is Bridget Crumhouse. Uh, but okay, I, well, when, I was going to say it. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, there you go. That's embarrassing. Uh, Bridget Kremhout. I know. But I, feel I apologize. Bad. I, did, I have not heard it said out loud, and so I was afraid. But anyway, my point of this was to say, like, I really think of her as being really aligned with DevOps days, right? As almost being like, you know, she, it's not like she owns it or anything, but just like, you know, she's like a foundational part of that network, right? Like if, if you want to know what's going on with it, if you want to get one going or mm-hmm. um, if you want to see her or whatever, like it's very much like I, I, I would say, you know, I don't know what she would say. So I guess we need to pose the question back to her, but like, you know, she certainly is aligned very much with that. And I think people in the industry think that, right? So as I'm sure she thinks about job opportunities, people look at that as like, hey, she's really wired into this community. She's helped build it. She knows it really well. Um, she's obviously going to speak at it, but, you know, just being that, and I think, you know, if we go back in time, you know, like the Gene Kim, the John Willis, right? Like in some ways, those guys are more aligned. Like they all speak at these things and get it going, but like they're very much aligned with like, you know, if you will, like the network, right? They, mm. They're they a foundational component to it and that's extremely valuable. So it's like yeah. the fact that they can walk in um, to a city, you know, like, you know, we'll just pick some like Minneapolis, not Minneapolis, but just anywhere, any arbitrary like San Antonio, right? And be like, well, Hey, we're going to like do an event there. Like they sort of have enough pool, right. To like get it exactly. going. And, um, even if they're not going to be the one, like they may talk there, but, but it's more like, they're going to like galvanize the community and they're going to be like, this is how you do it. Yeah. And this is, and this is what goes on. And that, um, you know, that in a lot of ways is, uh, if you will, like almost more important than anything else is like the people that can like bring they go into a city, get 50 people in a room, that are, you know, if you will, somehow qualified in, in the world of technology and then start to create the conversations is like that's what creates yeah. the goodwill to then allow everyone to evangelize. So I think that's like a maybe a less like I don't know. I don't know if people think about that as much, but I think it's just like in some ways it's like more valuable than the guy that just gr- gave the great keynote. Yeah, you almost yeah. want to be the guy I, I, that I mean, like has the meetings. Yeah, it, it's 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 the uh, I mean, the, to, to draw together three ways of thinking, it's the, the benefit of the bout thing. Uh, the benefit of the doubt thing, and then you're also like a a catalyst for starting things, right? And then it's just you know celebrity, right? Like you can draw people out, like this guy Josh Long on our team. It's just like people will come see him, <laughs> right? It's and and if uh, I don't know, we should I say what he does, right? He's like the live coder, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Java that's that's guy, an app description. Right? So so Josh has been in the the Java world forever, and he's written many books, and he. Um, he, uh, you know, he ha- like like all of us. He has like two or three talks basically, and uh, he travels a lot, like constantly. He doesn't have kids, uh, as I understand it, uh, which isn't a derisive derisive thing. It's just like he's got that luxury. So he travels around a lot, and uh, basically, he's like, I'm going to code a reservation system uh, in front of you, uh, starting from scratch. And so he kind of he demonstrates that you can use Spring Boot and Spring stuff to like make something. And so yeah, live coding, which for developers is extremely impressive, right? Like that's uh, as it should be. Uh, so he's someone that can draw a crowd, and then like you're saying, that kind of catalyzes into like more things, right? So as as a quick example, before I get to the next thing, like um, uh, you might have a market that you, you when you take someone like like a Josh, you might have a market that you don't perform so well in. Uh, cause people aren't interested and you don't, you don't have the, uh, what's the name of the leads. You don't have the good leads. Um, and, and so you kind of send out people like Josh to start drumming up interest from the bottom. Right. And eventually people kind of know about you. And then that bubbles up to, um, uh, 
to higher level people and maybe you can actually get some salespeople in there, right? Uh, and I think, you know, this also starts pointing to another thing that you're kind of listing is there are, mm, what would you call them? Secondary skills and capability and functions that evangelists have, right? So you're using the example of Bridget, right? So Bridget knows how to run conferences <laughs> and she also knows like how communities work and she knows about the tone and the norms of like the DevOps world and all these things. So she has these kind of, uh, intangible, hard to get skills of if you wanted to talk with me and I could consult with you about like how you would be successful at a, talking to a DevOps crowd. And like, I've also done actual DevOps stuff so I can tell you what that's like. And I think this leads back to why I think more or less appropriately, like why people prefer the phrase advocate nowadays, right? Because as you were kind of describing, what you would like to do with these people is use them as a collection mechanism to figure out what's going on out there and bring it back to central and, I don't know, talk to product managers and people who are strategizing to kind of figure out what you should be doing. Uh, and that happens sometimes and other times it doesn't happen, but it's a nice secondary function uh, that you would want in a more advanced um, evangelist type that they can do these other things. They don't just go out and like astound people. And then like another thing uh, that often happens that people don't get a lot of exposure to and someone like Josh and James and Mark and uh, and Paul and, and, you know, this other guy, Jacob, all the pe and all the people on on the team, they also spend a lot of their time doing like internal only. You could call them like training sessions, like they could be a half day session. Um, and with you get a couple of them and it's a full day session and they'll go into a big account um, and either pre-sale or post-sale, they'll say like, I'm going to do some training on like how you use Spring or how you would do serverless or how you would configure Kubernetes. And they'll basically, um, you know, it's kind of a classic thing. They don't have a lab where they go visit people that usually, I don't know, they might do that, but not too much. But it's more like, here's a miniature little uh, conference that you, developer conference that we can put on for you. And so that's something that people don't see often, but evangelist types do that a lot as well. Uh, yeah, I know, I, know I was going to say, um, you know, just talking to people at Google a little bit. I mean, I know, Kelsey, I don't think it's any secret, right? He obviously spends a lot of his time, you know, working with the product management team, kind of bringing that feedback back. And that's probably, you know, to the point about like this part you don't see is how much of that is, is happening. And I do think, you know, it's, it is interesting as you kind of think about, you know, who who gets the notoriety. And I do think, you know, right now it's very the live coding demo um like when done well, right, is I think one of the most popular things. Like if you've seen Kelsey Hightower, I think, you know, basically I've seen him a couple of times and I'm sure he has different talks, but, you know, he basically brings out uh, the Google, um, what is what is it, what are the Mac, not the MacBook there, uh, what is that called? The Google book, Chromebook, right? Chromebook. He brings out a Chromebook, right? And he's like, okay, I'm going to build, um, like he builds a little app that essentially provisions to, um, provisions some containers out to Kubernetes and he does it uh, using like Google's assistant. Right. And he's kind of, and so he ends up talking into his phone and it's cool. Right. Cause you see him build it um, in like probably 30 minutes, 30, 30, 45 minutes. Right. And it's like, um, and it's good because like when you watch those guys and I think this is where, you know, if you were to like, it is like sort of paying superstar athletes, it's like, there's a big difference probably between Josh and Kelsey doing that and me doing that. Like where you make a mistake and you're like, Oh, hold on a second. And it's just like, you know what I mean? You, you lose right. the pace of the, the idea. And I think, you know, that's like obviously probably the most popular thing that gets talked about at conferences, but it does kind of bring me back to something I wanted to ask you around. Like the thing that I, I feel like 
is still kind of missing. Like, you know, if evangelist is an undervalued school uh, skill to some degree, like I feel like what I'm going to call like um, I'm going to call it like purchasing purchase authority evangelism. And what I mean by that is like, <laughs> you know, it's like, OK, the developers are here to see Kelsey Hightower and Josh. Right. And then the executives at some company is going to buy it. They're not there. Right. They've sent somebody else. Usually it's like a director and everyone will be like, I want VP and above. But I'll be honest with you. Most of the time, I think these people are like director, VP level. Uh, and they've been sent to like figure out like, well, like, what are we going to do uh, around automation? Like, if you are interested, like this is sort of like yeah. uh, that interview you did with Chris Donaldson. It's like, you know, his day to day is like he needs to figure out how he's going to automate stuff. Right. And so he's trying to consume things at like another level of like he needs to kind of consume all the marketplace. What are the problems? What are some solutions? What are projects he should do, right? And it doesn't lend itself to like live coding. Like he, I'm sure he and all these guys, like I like to see a live coding demo, but it's unlikely I'm going to do it right later on. Um, but what I do need to know is I need to consume uh, information to figure out what our priorities should be, what things we, we need to build. And, you know, I feel like this is an area that, you know, you sort of, I don't know, I feel like, you know, you're kind of carving out your own little space here, right? Around um, like, how do you evangelize, you know, to that group of people, because at the end of the day, these are the people that are going to decide the projects. And ultimately, you know, they may not necessarily write the checks, but they are going to select the products that are going to be bought. Um, and I think that's an area just as an industry where that group of people sort of left on their own. There aren't necessarily conferences they can easily go to and talk yeah. to their peers. And um, I don't know. So what, how do you approach that? What do you think of that problem? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think that's I was just talking with someone uh, over lunch about how there is not a community of that layer you were talking about. Like, as I was, as I was joking, there's people who are not developers that always have a P in front of their name, like they're project managers or product managers. And, and then there's the level above there and they don't really like go to conferences. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to figure out like how to reach those people. Um, and uh, yeah, like you're saying, it's, it's purchasing authority or they are, um, I forget the term, they're a, um, an influencer in purchasing or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think the first distinction I would make is when, one of the more nuanced distinction that's important to make very quickly in the, the type of evangelism you're doing is if you are, uh, a high volume or a low volume, uh, business. And by that, I mean, uh, you like, like, I don't know if this is actually, well, well we could take solar winds. So solar winds is kind of in the middle. So that's a bad example. What I mean by high volume is something more like Slack, or I think like pager duty, maybe even like Datadog, but it's basically, no matter what the volume is, in order for, for someone to s sign up and even start paying with it, they can do it for like 50 to $200. Like an individual can do it very easily. And so, um, You'll, this type of evangelist often will give out a code to get some amount of hours for free or get something for free, right? Uh, and so their role, like they're reaching a somewhat different audience. They're lower down in the spending and they hope to like scale that up. So it's a little easier for them to talk to like directly to purchasing people. And then that also gets back to tracking where they, there is a way of tracking that like this person caused this many people to sign up and those converted or whatever. So that is kind of nice. But then on the other end, like the the, the type of business I'm in is like a, a, a low volume, uh, which is to say very expensive each transaction. 
And like I was saying, you got like 30, 40 people on a deal. It can take anywhere from six to three years. I mean, six months to three years. And tracking who does what is different. And then so the nature of what the evangelist ends up doing is a lot different. So uh, one, you end up doing a lot of those kind of internal things and you're sort of like um, rewarding prospects and customers with an evangelist (laughs) for spending with you or going along the sales cycle. And you also use them tactically like let me show you how stuff is better to develop on our platform, or let me show you how monitoring is done better by having this person come in. And then there's also another interesting thing in a high volume sales thing. And this is probably low volume. I mean, in a, in a, in an enterprise, we'll say enterprise versus transactional, uh, is you might also use the evangelist to come help you sell to other people in the company, right? So you might have your champion in the group and they're like, Oh, we love your stuff and we want to use it. But we want to have a a day-long session where some of the evangelists and other people come in and kind of convince the rest of the people that they should do things this way. So I think think that distinction is important to make when you get to the – the next point, which what, what was the question you asked me? I had a very clear answer to it. I was just saying, like, you know, how do you approach kind of this level of purchasing authority? So you're talking to the purchaser. Yeah. So, so then in a uh, in an enterprise, you know, grade thing, I think I think what you want to do, I'll, I'll just talk about myself because I don't always and, and this kind of reflects back on on what other, you know, some of my colleagues do and what other evangelists do. But like so, in my role, what I do, uh, in case people listening this far have no idea, is I don't, I go and I talk about how uh, organizations change and the way that they do change management, what the processes they do look like, and also the technologies they put in place to achieve it. I mean, the basic pitch is like uh, you shouldn't be doing software development that takes six to twelve months because you're not going to be able to do uh, software that functions well because you can't put a fast feedback loop in place where you release your software every week and then you see what works and doesn't work and you improve it. And one, you don't do that because you don't actually do agile and you don't have lean startup discipline to like theorize on this stuff. And two, you also don't do it because you can't deploy quickly because you don't use Pivotal Cloud Foundry uh, or whatever, right? Other containerized things. So you need Pivotal Cloud Foundry and then you also need to like change your methodology. And then also like that's really hard in a big organization where you've got 16,000 developers and you got all these layers of bureaucracy. So here's how people do that, right? Um, and so there you go. That's every talk I've ever given, <laughs> but, uh, without the details, that's an outline. Yeah, we should, where the show notes, we could drop in. There's uh, there's a YouTube of you doing yeah, yeah. a longer version of that. And, and, and so what I'm trying to accomplish with that, and I, and what I hope I accomplish with most of the evangelism work I do is again, to make people like all the brand celebrity benefit of the doubt stuff with pivotal, right? Like when I started three years ago, a lot of my job was just to be like pivotal is spelled P I V O T A L. <laughs> It is a company. We sell software. See you later. Right. It was just like just building awareness that we existed uh, along with everyone else in, in the spaces that we cared about um, lower down the hierarchy. So I don't do, have to do that so much anymore. But what I try to leave behind with people is like um, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast is like a, a framing and, and a model for figuring out what to do next. I mean, you could you could be really obtuse and call it a plan for a plan. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but since since I've been interested and in actually worked in strategy, like it's kind of I try to leave in place a tool for figuring out what your strategy is and then a little bit of how to execute on it. And so, for example, I mean, I'll, I'll give two examples from my standard stump speech is 
I often say like, uh, I don't actually say it this snarkily, but like, hey, every I'm sure everyone here does, uh, you know, agile software development. Like everywhere I go, people tell me that they got like 5,000 scrum masters and everything's great. But uh, if you look at studies, actually, most people don't do agile software development. So let me tell you what agile software development is, and you should go back and actually make sure you're doing it, right? And not only that, like, here are, in the past five years, like, some new advanced ways of doing agile software development. And so here is, like, a new skill book. And the, I, guess, I guess the thing I try to get to is more than just saying you should do pair programming and you want to have a generative culture that is the good side of the Western culture columns of awesomeness, right? Like, I don't really like, and, you know, people who listen to our other podcasts know that I carp about this all the time. I don't like people who describe, to go back to evangelism term, I don't want a description of heaven. I want to know how to get the fuck there, right? Like, I know what it looks like. No problem. <laughs> and so I try, I try to find out, like, how do you actually get there? And what are tactics other people use? And so as an example of that with Agile, one of the questions I've gotten a lot over the years is that all sounds great, but and I'm putting it in overblown sarcastic ways, but there's always that asshole over there who doesn't want to do anything. What do I do about that person? Um, and it's usually multiple assholes. Uh, and so over the years, I've come up with some prattle of like, well, here's three things people do. Right. Like in that situation, you know, some stuff that works or doesn't work. And so here's like a toolbox you can use to do things. And so most of the content that I go over is kind of presenting that toolbox, which just to close out, I think gets back to that market making is like, um, yeah, you can improve the way you do software. You just got to sign that fucking check. Right. Like it's just like there's no like I get this push. Everyone, I'm sure, gets this pushback. In, in a new market, but like you go to every single type of company and industry and many of them will tell you what you're selling sounds awesome and great, but we are the XYZ agency or company or whatever. And so we can't do that because reasons. And, you know, what you learn in, in this role is like, no, as, as I'm fond of saying, you're all equally fucked up in the same way. Like, it's no problem, right? Like, it's possible to change. It's not a big deal. Like at the end of the day, you probably just need to get someone in a room and be like, hey, we should do agile software development. And then 20 minutes later, like, oh, yeah, we should do that. And then you're done. Right. Like, it's so not I think I think you hit on like a great point because I, I, I and I think this is just really interesting to me, like how different communities solve the same problem. So like if we go like to the developer ops community, right, it's like that world because I think those people all think like I developed software first and it just happens to do whatever reservations, order entry, whatever. Right. But what they, what that group of developers, I think kind of does self organizes is like, they kind of figure out like, man, I just am having a hard time saving this amount of data somewhere and uh, getting it rendered again. Right. And what do they do? They go to conferences <laughs> yeah. and they just find, they just find anybody. They don't necessarily even care like where the other developer worked. They're like, oh, I worked in insurance. And then someone says like, well, this is how I did it, right? And then the next guy's like, I'm financing. He says, this is how I did it. So like, they're very right. much predisposed. I think it's, there's to some degree, like just if you build software, like your mind is sort of probably programmed a certain way to like think like that, right? And they like, and so they go out and they, they cross communicate and they're like, oh, yeah, we figured it out, right? And I think this is why people are always looking to like the big cloud behemoths, right? To be like, oh, yeah. what's Google doing? Like, we can, we don't need all of that, but we can take, we can use MapReduce in this way, way right? And I think this is where, yeah, for some I, reason, I mean, and I think just, just to they, just to interject mm -hmm. quickly to, to summarize, I mean, I think 
I think I think uh, counterintuitively for how start like uh, negative we think programmers are, they are always. I think I think a shared attribute of any developer is they're very optimistic about a solution can be found <laughs> and and implemented. Yeah. Right. Whereas I don't think normal people think like that. And I think, you know, and I think Stack Overflow is like is the online you know, manifestation of that. It's like you can pretty much search for anything in Stack Overflow and people will be like, here's and they'll get like five different solutions to like some problem and the, people kind of very freely exchanging stuff. Whereas there isn't like the Stack Overflow for like, man, I'm having a hard time because I think broadly what you're talking about, digital transformation, for lack of a better phrase, that's kind of mm, what yeah. like all these companies are in charge of. And I think go back a couple episodes in the interviews, right? You did that great interview with um, the person from like, I think, North Carolina Power. Yeah, John right. Mitchell. But, like, uh, but, you know, he's sort of like he's I always think of like he's that guy like he has to figure out like. Well, what do we need to do, and how yeah, do we transform this company? But but there isn't a uh, like there's not like a transformation conference for him to like go to. There isn't like a Stack Overflow to be like I don't know no. like how do we do this? And I think this is kind of the next frontier of evangelism. And I just think uh, and and kind of going back to how we got on this to your point about you know I don't know why it is, but like. In, in this one case, we'll say like developers are more social. I don't know, like maybe the first time ever uttered in the history of the world. Like that group of people does share information pretty freely and yeah, organizes totally. to do it. Whereas I'm going to call it purchasing layer, manager directors, like there is this very inward, like I'm unique, like I'm just, I've never done it. And I'm, and not only that, I'm never going to talk to anybody else. Like our, <laughs> I, I'm not going to go find the group of peers um, like, and, and I think, you know, it's a little probably hyperbole there, but I mean, I know they go to industry conferences and stuff like that, but they're not like, there doesn't seem to be the same, like, let's get together and have some type of meeting where we can like do some talks uh, and do that. Like, I feel like, I don't know if they feel like it's beneath them or wouldn't yeah, help well, them. I, I, think, or I, think, just like I think there's also, thing. I think there's also, uh, a bit of, uh, I'm just going to use a phrase, sort of like cultural my, myopia. Like they're very inward looking, right? Like as we kind of touched on a few times, the successful managers know how to manage, you could say politics. They know how to manage the society inside their organization, right? So they're really good. They're like a politician, right? Like a politician is successful because they know how to manage constituencies and work with them. Um, and equally, like a good manager who rises up in a company is solely focused on making that company successful and also knowing how the internals of the company work. And I think a third thing, which they would probably all tell me I was wrong, is they're good at knowing what customers want to buy, which is just sort of like that's just sort of that's like using, you know, I don't know, canola oil to fry an egg. Like it just happens to be you need a customer in order to achieve those other two things, like whatever. Yeah. Um, and so. I think I think to that end, like when I think of the the manager types that I have like worked with, they just like they must be exhausted at the end of the day, <laughs> and they're like, I don't want to go fucking read like management overload. <laughs> like I just spent all my you know I just spent all day long just like battling with people and like and so like I don't I don't get the sense that they get a lot of um, education outside of it, and you know you see like waves of, you know, if you read any, uh, to, you know, pick away at a scab, if you read any sort of like business book lore stuff, a lot of it has to do with like, you should learn new shit and like talk to new people and get out there and, and things like that. But it's just like, that's not what that role does. <laughs> their, their job is usually to like execute and, uh, and do things. And, and then 
the organizations they work in are just like, there's no time to do that. So they have to really carve that out and, uh, and then make it happen. And then I think, I think the other, the other thing on there is, um, I mean, the role that we're both kind of describing is what you would call a management consultant. <laughs> and the management consultants are someone it's, I, I, this is a retconning of it, but it is, it's a way to monetize evangelists. Um, and it's a whole structure around it, right? So a management consultant, you know, a, a partner at the management consulting firm comes in and they do a lot of the work that an evangelist would do, also kind of mixed in with what a salesperson would do, right? So they build a relationship. They sort of razzle-dazzle you and talk about like, um, you know, how things can be different and what the new stuff is. But then they're also in charge of actual implementation and ongoing account management. You know, they hire a bunch of underlings to go do that stuff for them. And I, I think... Uh, you know, I, I've seen people shift between these roles in the tech world where they'll be sort of like execution based consultant people, and then maybe they'll work in marketing, and then maybe they'll go work on the buy side, like, you know, as a CIO or for some, for some CIO. And I think, and maybe this is going to depress me about how much I get paid when I get to the end of this paragraph. But like, I think the issue is that people who could do that evangelist work, they could be compensated really well to do other work. And if you kind of run the numbers, the issues with a management consultant are uh, you travel all the time. Uh, so you can't really have a regular family life or friend life or social life. Uh, you work all the time, uh, more or less. Um, and you have to put up with all of your underlings and stuff. And then you also have to battle with partners and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's most of that is like if you're an evangelist who's successful, you already have all those problems. <laughs> so <laughs> so if you're a management consultant, uh, if you're an evangelist, you could take on a whole lot more responsibility. So management consultants are a lot more accountable and they have a lot more operational responsibility, but they also have a huger upside than an evangelist would, right? So I suspect a fair amount of people who would be good um, – digital transformation evangelist, they kind of shift more over into the consultant role or, or they take the kind of, there's, there's a middle road, which is like, um, I would prefer to work less and I am willing to make less money. And you kind of see that sometimes the people who just kind of like downpedal what they do and they, they don't like, they make enough money to like live whatever life they want. And, but they also like, don't have to, to work very much, but yeah, I mean, I think it is uh, not to self aggrandize, but it is a very rare evangelist talent to go talk about that stuff. Yeah, no, I think, you know, as we wrap up here, I think maybe that's the next frontier is a couple of things like one, we'll have to find a, we'll have to find one of our management consultant friends to come on, do an interview, tell us how it really is. But I do mm. think going forward, you know, I, as I think about just these roles, just in general, and I, you know, kind of back to your, your point about, you know, kind of the, uh, like I said, the purchasing level director being tired at the end of the day, there's, you know, I just reminded of that cliche, like, you know, you got to go slow to go fast. And it's like, I think a lot of these guys, instead of another possible solution to this would be necessarily instead of uh, hiring the management consultants to come in or instead of, you know, being tired all the time or doing going to all the meetings is to like take the time to probably just find people in your same area. Like I'm just reminded living here in Austin, like there's the visa building like that's right behind me. And then there's like home away. And it's like I bet you if I asked the people at visa and home away, like the, the director level guys, like they're probably like oh, we don't have they probably never met 
they would not necessarily you know think to talk to each other but i bet you the developers I've, in fact i know some of them have gone back and forth between those companies and it's like yeah. at the end of the day like they are like they're very similar right like how did you payments online it's it's kind of the same you know i know they would maybe both companies would be mad for me saying this but like that's kind of what they're both doing like how do we more effectively take money from people uh, in in the cloud and say you know do it in a cost effective way and it's like you know going forward you know maybe that's the opportunity for you know does anyone take on the challenge to like start to create like yeah. the DevOps day of that because I think there would be a lot of value um, that would be added that you that you don't get necessarily from a management consultant or you don't get necessarily from just you know watching some video online oh yeah yeah no I agree and and, and I mean I mean that that brings up like I mean three examples of, of what you're talking about one you know you had your uh, the interview with your buddy Andy right and in the in the security world they do that right they have these uh, summits of people who come together who otherwise wouldn't talk with each other and so that's always valuable and then I think I think the other thing like I've when I've looked through feedback that people give, one of the things that these manager executive types really value are uh, what we would call in the biz summits, an executive summit. They have all yep. sorts of names, but sometimes they're just, I like it when people just call things what everyone else calls them. So I love an executive summit. And like we have one at uh, Spring One Platform coming up on September 23rd to 28th. <laughs> right. And, in Maryland, uh, right? Yeah, in Maryland. That's right. Or DC, as everyone else says. But uh yeah and 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 at those events you have exactly what you're saying all these um uh i don't know executive types who come together and at the end of the events they're always like this was amazing right like i wish we had more time just to like talk with the other executives and so so they really like that and then i think i think the third thing just to add on at the end is there is i don't know where this weighs into it and i don't know if this is actually true but you know People just like your developers move around a lot, like the higher you are in the executive chain, I think the more you move around unless you work at like Home Depot or Walmart or one of these companies that has retention. Um, and in some way, that's a way of like learning new things. <laughs> right. Like I think I think the the figure people bandy about is like the average uh, and averages are dangerous because there's, you know, an average just means that like there's 1% of people who have this number and then there's the other 99% who have different numbers, if I understand how math works. Um, but, uh, you know, the average term of, of a CIO is 18 months, right? And so, and I see that all the time. And so that is one way of like learning new things and getting new exposure, but it's a really shitty way, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's, it's good, it's awesome for that person who moves, because as everyone also knows, if you don't know this, get out your pencil or, or your uh, whatever and write this down. The best way to get a promotion is to get a new job. And the best way to yeah. make more money is to get a new job. And yep. that's just the way it is. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't drink it. the Kool-Aid. Don't fight it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> just don't fight that. Yeah. So, so I mean, I mean, I think, I think, yeah. I, and I think, you know, and you and I talk about this a lot. I think there is, um, I would find those kind of summits insanely valuable, right? Like I, I always try to, I weaseled my way into the one we're having and I always try to get involved in those. And and they're valuable because that information is rare. And you can, just to put in one more complaint, like you can tell it's rare if you've read uh, as many, you know, feet of, of business books as Brandon and I have, like no one fucking writes about that stuff. They just like, <laughs> it's really hard to find some written material that's like actionable, like real world shit uh, that you hear about in, in those summits. But yeah, that community has to like talk with each other more. I mean, and just here's another last thing. Like 
sometimes I've seen some executives, they'll go to like a like two to three week Stanford, Stanford summer program that right. their company will pay like $25,000 for. And it's kind of the equivalent of that. And then they get some professors to like lecture at them, probably about like Intel and Facebook or some bullshit. Um, and those probably are useful, but you know, uh, they need some better way of spreading knowledge between each other that doesn't damage their own value. Uh, but that would be valuable. I agree. I think that's the next frontier of evangelism. So hopefully, uh, I don't know, hopefully here at Software Fine Talk, we'll, uh, we'll help figure that out. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and and to, to put an ad, if you've listened this far and you like evangelism, you should contact me. We're always hiring people. Also, we always need sales engineers. That's a fun role. That's a good way into, there's a lot of event, not a lot, but that's a good path into evangelism because you go, uh, you're technical, you go get in front of people, you hustle, you learn the ins and outs, and then you can kind of retire to the cul-de-sac. Uh, less stressful to be an evangelist. That's right. that's just that. We're always hiring for that over here in Europe, over in the U.S. So you should, uh, if you like all this nonsense, there's a job for you. Excellent. All right, Cote. Well, uh, I appreciate uh, you having the conversation. And as always, if uh, you would like a sticker, you can email your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and we'll send you out uh, a sticker. And then uh, if you want a t-shirt, you can go check us out at softwaredefinedtalk.com. There's all kinds of stuff. You can uh, join our Slack. You can buy a t-shirt. You can email us. You can listen to old episodes. And of course, uh, if you haven't already, you got to make sure to check out our interviews podcast. Mm. So go to softwaredefinedinterviews.com. We've got a bunch of uh, interviews we recently posted. I think Kote's got some interviews we're going to post next week. So kind of all kinds of cool people that we're talking to in tech. So check all of that out. And, and if, if I can add, I was just thinking earlier today, I don't know if everyone's aware, but if you go way into the back catalog, well, not way, in, of software-defined interviews, we used to have this, Brandon and I used to have this uh, members-only podcast. And it's basically like an audio textbook of doing like uh, tech shit, like mostly the marketing side and, and analyst stuff. But we, uh, you should go look into those. I forget, what did we call that? We didn't have a name for it, did Exegesis. we? Exegesis. That was Exegesis. the old Exegesis podcast. Yeah, so it's, in there. it's all in the it's, – it's actually a really good, uh, you know, plug in our own stuff here. It's a good, uh, if you will, Greenfield timeless episode. There are none yes. of that. It's it's as relevant now as it was uh, when we That's recorded right. it. So Very it's similar good, to good this to episode. To but so. anyhow. All right. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Bye. And we are very excited to be joined by our next guest, Bridget Cromhout. Bridget Cromhout. Bridget Cromhout. It's always a DNS problem.